Do you struggle with feelings of acceptance and feeling like you belong? If so, then today's topic is just for you. Today, we're going to talk about being an heir of Christ, being a child of God, and what that means and the benefits that come along with it. So I hope you stick around so we can learn more about being a child of God. Hey friends, I'm glad you found yourself here today. I have thoroughly enjoyed this identity series. Going into it, I was not super confident. I'm just going to be honest, but I feel like it has been so good for me and so good for my soul. It's I feel like it's such a good refresher for those of us who have been saved for some amount of time, but it's also packed jam full of good truths for anyone who might be newly saved as well. If you haven't listened already, I highly suggest going back and listening to the last two episodes where we talk about the redemption of Christ delivering us from ourselves and how we can accept our for- and how we can accept forgiveness when we shift our mindset from ourselves to Christ. Today we're going to continue in this series discussing how we are an heir a child of God. We are going to be reading in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. This one's got quite a bit of scripture with it, um, but we're not going to, we're going to spend time there, but we're not going to be flipping through the Bible all over the place like I've made you do in previous episodes. (laughs) So Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 7 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of, tri- unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good, wor- good pleasure of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Sorry, I was stumbling with my words there. (laughs) Sometimes when I read quite a big chunk of stuff, my words get all jumbled. Um, Before we move any further, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll start to break down today's scripture and really talk about What's it mean to be a child of God? Father, I thank you so much for each person who showed up today, God. I thank you that they made time in their schedule to listen to what you have shared with me. I pray that you would speak through me clearly. I pray that you would give them what they need, God. Encourage them where they are down. Lift them up, God. Encourage their spirit, Father. Help them to walk another day in this challenging, trying earth, God. And I just thank you so much for your Holy Spirit and the fact that we, we can come to you and, and we can read your word and get truth and encouragement to fight another battle. And I just thank you for that. And I pray that you will be with me as I speak. And I pray that you will help me to speak clearly everything that you've shared with me. In Jesus' name, amen. There is a lot of really good stuff in this scripture. And we're going to break it down into three points. So I'm going to have three main points for you today that are going to help us to understand this scripture better. But before we do that, I want to create a picture in your head for you. And hopefully it's something that you can relate to. 
So when I think back to my childhood and playing games on the playground, which I I can vividly remember like recess and PE and all of that kind of stuff. It was just so great. And we had so much time, it felt like. And I really think we did have a lot of time. Um, but I just think back to childhood and specifically kickball. There would always be two captains who would choose or select who they wanted on their team. And of course, we all know that those two captains would pick their best friends and then they would pick their next favorite people and they would pick the people that are really athletic and that would help them win. And then they would just kind of scrap up the leftovers, so to say. You know exactly what I'm talking about if you have played kickball on the playground. Um, and I just remember being the last one multiple times and thinking to myself, oh man, what if I don't get picked? Or what if they're the last ones and they just have to pick me? They, they're not even picking me. They just got to take me. Uh, and I just remember the fear and like the dread and the anxiety that would start to bubble up in my stomach of like, oh, please don't let me be last. Please don't let me be last. Please don't let me be last. You know, um, there was just some kind of rewarding feeling about being chosen and, and especially being chosen as like one of the first players. I feel like these playground feelings that I'm talking about, they tend to spill into our adulthood. And really, they just tend to spill over into real life in general, whether we like to admit it or not. Maybe maybe there's a job interview and you go, you go in and you do your best and you present everything you know how to present and you know that there's another candidate who is on the same playing field as you, they bring the same qualifications, same abilities, and that person gets picked over you for the job. I don't know about you, but I've dealt with, I've, I've struggled with the thought of, am I not good enough? How come they got it? What, what, what was so wrong with me that, is it my personality? Did I not, was I not catchy enough of a person? Like, did I not seem like I was leadership position or, you know, leadership characteristics? How come they didn't pick me, God? Or maybe, maybe there's something in your church that you've been wanting to do. And you just feel like everyone else gets a chance except for you. Um, that can hurt. That can really hurt. I remember as a kid, um, you know, I feel like as kids, we all think that we can like sing really, really well. Um and I just remember as a kid, like, when solos would come up for, like, the Christmas program or something, being so devastated that I didn't get chosen for something like that. I know I'm going back to the, a childhood reference, but I think you get the point of me talking about being chosen and all those feelings that can come along with it. Before we know it, if we're not careful, we can live a life of constant, and I do mean constant, doubt of who we are, and just allowing the enemy to have full control over our thoughts and that enemy telling us who we are rather than us naming and claiming and declaring ourselves in the Lord. I know firsthand what it's like to live in a mental place of negativity and to just feed yourself lie after lie after lie. Um, I've shared with you in previous episodes my struggle with 
depression during postpartum and um, it's hard and I'm going to be totally transparent and real with you and I'm dealing with another postpartum issue of rage. I've never had that problem before. I've been angry, yes, but I've never dealt with rage before and so it is a constant daily and I do mean daily and sometimes it's an hourly just laying down of my thoughts and reminding myself that I don't have to be held captive to this and this is not true. If we're not careful though, we can live a life and be stuck in patterns of habit where we just live in constant defeat. Living in a negative state of mind is not a quality Christ desires of us. He died so that we could live a life full of love, hope, and victory, not a constant state of doom and gloom. Doom and gloom, sorry. <laughs> so I'm hoping that the three points we're going to talk about today encourage your heart to hold, to get a hold of the identity that Christ has given you and to take back your mind and thought patterns that can just be so completely defeating. The first point that we're going to talk about is comes straight from the scripture that we read and I'll read the scripture verse again and it's verse 4 of Ephesians 1 and it says according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So the first point that we're going to talk about today is we are chosen God chose us before the foundation of the world. And that world word foundation refers to conception, before the creation, the conception of this world. God chose us. He knew who would accept him and who wouldn't accept him. And he made an opportunity for us to be part of his holy family through Jesus Christ. John 15, 16 says, Ye, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and this is Jesus speaking, and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it unto you. Jesus is saying to his disciples there, you have not chosen me. I'm the one who chose you. Because, because Jesus chose us first, we have the opportunity available to us to choose him. The only reason we're able to choose him and we're able to choose eternity is because he first chose us. He first loved us. He first thought of us. We were the ones to come to his mind first and he chose us. He hand selected us and hand created us and formed us to be exactly what he would want us to be. Unlike those kids on the playground when we were younger, or that employer who doesn't choose us, God always, always chooses us. I can think back to, you know, high school years when you just want to be chosen for everything. You want to be chosen to be on the team. You want to be chosen to be prom queen or king. And you want to be chosen by that special boy. And you want the group of friends to choose you. And I feel like in a sense, that spills over to our adult life as well. We just want to be chosen. And while the rest of this world might not choose us and they might not make us number one, Christ always had. 
we were at the forefront of his mind when he died on that cross. The very God who spoke life into existence is the same God who made it possible for you to spend an eternity with him. That is such, such a powerful thought. The second point that we're going to talk about comes from verse 5. And I'll read verse 5 again. And it says, Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. So verse 5, the second point that we're going to talk about is that we are his adopted children. The God who created this universe and all the stars in the sky loves us unworthy sinners enough to call us his children. The word adoption here, I thought this was so interesting. The word adoption here is made up of two Greek words. And when you put those two Greek words together, the meaning of adoption is actually to be placed as a son. To be placed as a son. That means we are given a placement as a child of God. We are given a place. We are allowed an opportunity into the family. It would have been enough for God to create heaven and allow us a place to go for eternity, but he did so much more than that for us. He took it a step further and adopted us into his family and made us heirs. Romans 8 verses 16 through 17, and you don't have to turn there, I'll read it for you. But it says, the spirit itself beareth witness within our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. An heir, by definition, is a sharer by lot, an inheritor or possessor. I like to think of the royal family here. They are born into royalty. They are born into the family name. They share the culture. They uphold the family values. And most of all, they have family duties they are responsible and held accountable for. Being an heir means we are welcomed into God's family. We have a place. We are, when we accept the salvation that Christ gives, we, we have a place in the family. We are given a name. But it also means that we have an important role to play within that family. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul is writing a letter to the church and he's reminding them how he behaved before them when he visited them. And I don't mean behaved in a bad way, but the godly behavior he showed before them and how they witnessed it. And he gave them a charge. And this is the charge that he gave them. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 12. That ye walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. As I read that scripture, and as I thought about the fact that we are heirs, that we are heirs to Christ, I couldn't help but think, as a child of God, am I upholding the family name? Am I doing my part in the family and I'm, am I upholding my responsibilities that he's given me? Those questions really convicted me when I started studying this. I thought about my own children and how when they get older and are out in public, I want them to be a good representation of what their father and I have taught them. But then I thought of myself spiritually. 
am I doing that for God when I'm out and about and I'm in front of people and even when I'm by myself? What does my character look like? Am I representing God's name and am I giving him a good name? Or am I dragging his name through the dirt? Am I making him look bad by the way that I'm acting? Am I being the best representation of him that I can possibly be? See, when we accept Christ, the name is given to us. The Christian the Christian name is given to us. And this is my opinion, so this is not scriptural, but Christian today, the word Christian today has such a different meaning than what the Bible actually would have it to mean. And we throw the word Christian around so loosely. And I feel like we almost throw it around as loosely as we throw around, I love you. It really doesn't have a sentimental meaning to it. Most Americans would identify themselves as Christian, if I had to guess. But if you ask those same Americans who identify as Christian, do you go to church regularly? Do you have a church home? They would probably say no. See, when we call ourselves Christian and we label ourselves as Christians, we have a family name to uphold. We have a bloodline. We have a bloodline within us that we are supposed to be upholding and glorifying and bringing honor to. And I just couldn't help but think when I was studying this, am I doing that? Am I bringing glory and am I upholding that name and making it look good? And it's not even about making it look good on the outside, but am I glorifying it and bringing him the honor that he deserves? Am I honoring the name? He loves us so much that he adopted us and allowed his own son's blood to be shed over us, to include us in that bloodline. How, how unworthy are we that we, we are given an opportunity to be a part of the bloodline of Christ and all the things that we get to partake of, all the godly things we can partake of because of that. What an honor that God would love us enough for that. The third point that we're going to talk about comes from verse 6, and I'm going to read verse 6. It says, To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. The third point is that we are accepted because of his grace. Everyone in today's culture wants to be accepted. We want everyone to like us and everyone to approve of us. Even those of us who swear, I don't need anyone's approval. Deep down somewhere, you are seeking the approval of somebody. Even if it's just one person, you, in the deep core of who we are, we are all seeking for acceptance from someone. I have spent a lot of my life seeking the acceptance and the approval of others. I've ruined friendships, given myself a bad name at times, gone against my own character, and hurt others because I wanted to be accepted in the past. And if we're not careful, feeling like we're not accepted is another feeling that the enemy can use against us and defeat us with in our mind. He likes to tell us when we've been left out or we're not wanted because there's something wrong with us. That couldn't be farther from the truth, though. I know that when... 
we first started going to our church that we're now currently members of, I fought a lot of mental game, mental battles in my mind. Um, It was like a game for the enemy sometimes. I just felt a lot of negative thoughts that I wasn't dealing with before at our old church. Um, It was a comfortable thing at our old church. You know, we knew everybody. Whereas at this new church, it's not that I was desiring to be accepted, but those thoughts, the enemy kept placing those thoughts in my mind of, they really don't like you. You know, you really don't fit in here. This isn't really your kind of people. And there were moments and there were times where I started to feel that and I started to believe those lies that I was feeding myself and that the enemy was feeding me. And I started to think, you know, I really don't belong here. These aren't my people. You know, how are we supposed to fit in with these people? We're never going to be like them. We're never, you know, we live an hour away from them. How are we going to be anything? How are we going to have any kind of connection with these people? But that was the furthest thing from the truth. Thankfully, and thank God, we, it, it is our family now. It's so much of a family for us. And we love those members so much. <laughs> but I feel like I, there was a place where I could have turned left or I could have turned right. And I could have listened to those, the enemy and just allowed myself to be defeated and not gone to ministry events and not gone to um, different activities that the church was putting on. I could have chosen to sit those out because I didn't fit in or I wasn't accepted or I wasn't good enough. You know, I could have believed those lies and I. I'm, I'm so glad that I didn't because now, you know, we have a family there, but it's so easy to be swept into that belief system of, I just don't belong. But God's, because of God's grace, we have been accepted. Accepted here means graceful, made graceful. The scripture here says that he hath made us accepted. God made us endowed with grace. It is absolutely nothing we could do in our own goodness or strength, but God who makes us accept it. That is such a refreshing scripture for me, that I don't have to do anything. He makes me accepted because of who he is and not because of some worth that I hold. I know that there is not enough value that I could bring to the table. And I'm not saying this because I don't value myself or because I don't think I'm worthy. I'm not saying it in that aspect. I'm saying it in a sense of I am a sinner and I know that. And I know that without God in me, there is nothing good in me. And I know that I have nothing of value to bring to the table without God in me. And it is just refreshing to know that He accepts me because of who he is and because of his goodness. And it's nothing that I have to bring to the table that I don't have to, I don't have to bring enough money or I don't have to bring enough good looks or there's nothing I have to bring to the table to ask him and beg him to please like me or please accept me. He accepts us just as we are right where we are. Because of God's goodness and mercy towards us, because the grace he has chosen to show us, 
we are able to call ourselves chosen, heirs that are accepted in Christ. And I don't know about you, but it is so encouraging to me to know that it has nothing to do with me and everything to do with him. I know that I can never be good enough, I can never be holy enough or wise enough to enter into his family on my own terms. But thank God that he allowed Jesus to make that way for me and for you. You were chosen to be a part of a holy family by a holy God who loves you and made you perfect in his sight. Lean on these truths today as you go out to fight the battles that this world brings before you every single day. I'd like to pray for you and pray for the rest of your week and I really hope that this has been encouragement to you. I want nothing more than to encourage you every single week. And if you have any prayer requests or suggestions for topics or maybe any comments, feel free to send me an email at thewisewomenpodcast at gmail.com or you can join our Facebook group. We have a community of women there on the wise women um, Facebook page that you can join and I just I would love to hear from you I'd love to hear some feedback and if you you know want to reach out and ask for prayer I would love to pray for you Um, so I'm going to end in prayer and I hope you guys have a great week father I just come to you today and I just want to say thank you for this message thank you for the fact that you willingly sacrificed your only son for us and that you willingly did that so that we could spend an eternity with you thank you for your love your unending all-sufficient love that you give us every single day and that you choose to show us every day we could never never amount to be all that we need to be without you And I just thank you for your presence, and I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the scriptures. And I pray that this has been clearly spoken to the hearts of the people today. And I pray that you would just help us to walk confident in your truths this week as we fight each battle every day. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.